Hello, the date is June 13th, 2019. Welcome to episode 11 of the East Coast InfoSec podcast. I'm your co-host, Daryl McLeod. And I'm Grant Boudreaux. And this week, uh, we actually have a guest with us. But uh, before we actually uh, mention our guest, we should probably apologize. It's been at least six months since we've actually had an episode. Um, the Isaka Roundtable, yeah, back yes. in October. Back in October. That was the last of, wow, it was way more than six months, actually. Um, yeah. Yes, we threatened to have one of those Atlantic Security Conference, too, but never got around to it. So um, maybe never next really week. found a place. Never no. really found a place that we could go no. and sit. No, not exactly. But next time, I'm actually going to bring my mic because it actually has like a kind of like a, a setting that you can check on. Then it activates like um, kind of like a spherical mic. Yep. So I could plunk this right in the middle of a table and probably pick up everyone really good. Yeah. Oh, well, that's for uh, maybe Isaka in October again. Yeah, that would uh, be... Sonny just needs to get that kid or room again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, and speaking of Isaka and Lang Security Conference, uh, we actually, our guest uh, this week is Victoria McIntosh, who is uh, a frequent visitor and speaker at those conferences. And why don't you introduce yourself, Victoria? Hello there. Hi. Yeah, no, uh, I uh, I like AltsaCon. It's um, it's getting bigger every year. It's uh, just getting went to a conference in Toronto, and they say, no, it's such a big group. And I thought, no, this is what's it's the Atlantic Convention. <laughs> but uh, always good to see the uh, familiar faces. Uh, get a little bit terrified by some of the things that are happening in the industry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's uh, no, no. It's uh, really, really great to be there and to be able to to speak and be what I'm passionate about uh, works for me. Yeah, great. Yes, I know we've had a few conversations over the last couple of years and about, uh, you know, of course, both privacy and uh, as at least even to InfoSec. Um, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do, and where do you live? So, I'm a, I'm a Halifax gal of. Uh, right in uh, smack in Nova Scotia. Uh, although I know you, uh, I have a few Cape Breton roots. Uh, family from Cape Bretoners, so I know I'm talking to a few Cape Bretoners here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I do. Uh, I started my business with uh, information management, data governance, and a few years back, I got certified as a information privacy technologist, and that has just uh, naturally from privacy has led me into security into really a very uh, very connected, but very different world uh, where I came originally from an information science, say records, you know, what are you doing with this information? How, how is it being stored? Uh, you know, how can we make access better to how are we protecting it? Are there any ethics around this information? Is there anything we can uh, do to enhance the use of it, but maybe make certain that, especially into privacy, into people, uh, you know, realize there's a living human being whose data uh, we're working with, and that can have consequences. It's uh, it, it's definitely uh, something that I really am quite uh, quite grateful I was able to get into. And uh, certainly these days, uh, every time I turn around, there's something new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely even see how the industry as a whole. There's uh, there's always something new almost every hour lately these days. Um, okay, great. Uh, so. How did you actually – now, so you mentioned, too, you started information sciences originally. That's in, that's a kind of – that's kind of like me, too. You know, I came from an almost completely different background, but yours is somewhat um, related to privacy. 
Well, it's 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 amazing to me because I I didn't expect it to be combined so well. Yeah. Um, it wasn't uh, wasn't until I was starting to study for certification and we were discussing the information life cycle and I thought, wait a minute, I know that. <laughs> uh, data retention and a lot of things. I was like, actually, that's kind of part of my master's degree. Uh, so uh, it it's been interesting, and I have um, information science uh, is more more commonly known as librarianship. It's uh, You'll typically find Masters of Library Information Science. Uh, since I've gotten to the industry, I've actually found other librarians who this is very similar. They've, they kind of went in on that field, and they got interested in privacy, and they've started to kind of help uh, with privacy initiatives. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting combination um, that, uh, like I say, it kind of combines security, but it also combines, okay, what about the person who's actually your information you're using? What's going on there? Interesting. Okay. Um, that's a, no. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll yeah, I, I've also heard more and more librarians tend to get into this stuff, which is kind of neat. So there's one on Twitter, is it? Yep, there's a few of us on Twitter, a few. Um, I was at, uh, actually, it was at, again, the Toronto uh, IEPP, which is the International Association of Privacy Practitioners, their kind of annual conference. Uh, and I was able to meet a few a uh, few people where you start talking like oh, you're a librarian or you're a data governance major, uh, especially because uh, it, it's the kind of thing where I find when you talk outside your industry and you start talking about data governance, you get a lot of blank looks. <laughs> it's uh, you get, you get a lot of what are you what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, you know how you've got all that information. You keep saying how powerful it is, how much you can do with it. You actually need to have somebody who's making the decisions. You actually have to have an idea of where it's going to go and who's going to see it, and are there ways you can improve the data quality? Um, you know, it, it doesn't. It's not as magical as we want to believe. Uh, so uh, it is. Uh, it is a field of trying to again get that information. Uh, you know, better attention, better e-discovery, and with privacy you get into this area of, okay, are there ways that we can protect privacy better uh, by, you know, limiting access, uh, so access controls? Uh, do the individuals who we're speaking to, whose data we're collecting, do they understand what's going on? Um, are they comfortable with the use? One thing I found in privacy and information security really is trying to trying to reach out to people and get them kind of, understanding what's going on and from a business side trying to understand it's like we can't cover every situation but we do have to realize that there you know we are dealing with people and just because this situation this data it might seem completely benign to you it, it could be used in a harmful way so how could how do we prevent that you know is there a way we can educate people is there a policy is there a technical component um, how do we kind of avoid that and librarians have kind of, uh, and information governance, we kind of get into, again, that more technical designing, uh, you know, development, implementation of policy role. Uh, not, uh, don't have a lot, law degree yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know she said yet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Lately, it must be extremely frustrating, though. Oh, it's, uh, well... Everything is like, like Daryl said, every second day, it's like, oh, breach. Yeah. All breach, this PEI. Breach, new use of information. Uh, the Internet of Things has made it very interesting because 
the the whole concept of uh, oh dad is the new oil we should collect that new oil and you're having a little moment saying yeah but these are human beings and i don't know if you realize this but there can be consequences to these use of information um i think that's uh, one of the reasons why it, i find myself and others we get so passionate about it is because you get into this field, uh, you, you're coming into this field kind of with a lot of people saying, well, privacy's dead, you know, everybody's collecting your information, uh, you know, give it up. And then you look at a lot of situations, the Cambridge analytical situation uh, right now, uh, we have situation in Hong Kong just uh, just quite re- past few days where people are trying to gun on a bus home without using a card that tracks their movements so that the police there don't know they were involved in a protest. We have lots of situations cropping up where it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe the complete collection of the information and complete use of it, uh, you know, without uh, carte blanche, maybe there's a problem there. You know, maybe there actually is a connection between privacy and freedom. So you get people like myself who kind of look at it and say, well, I could give up. But the problem is if I give up, then, you know, what am I supposed to do here? Because the problems um, are still going to be there. I'm still going to want to be an independent person. I'm still going to want to be able to, uh, you know, question artificial intelligence making decisions. So we, we get passionate. We get very like, okay, you know what? This is important. This is worth standing up and fighting for. And the good news is we are seeing pushback. We are seeing uh, as the technology, as the you know, the dark patterns come out there, the, the horror stories, uh, unfortunately, do uh, get out there. You are seeing more awareness. Uh, we're seeing, of course, Europe's famous new law, the General Data Protection Regulation, but we're also seeing individual states in the U.S., uh, California, for example, Maine most recently, stepping up and saying, you know what, maybe we do want to have privacy. You know, is should we have a privacy law in the books? Uh, we have companies like Apple saying, you know what, People are paying for something that's not as connected. They're paying for privacy. Uh, can we make that part of our business? So it's not dead. Uh, if it's uh, if it's dead, it's becoming a very expensive little zombie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think uh, I, I think we're going to see this uh, going forward. We're going to see a lot more debate. Uh, I think it's uh, like I say it's it's very interesting in the industry to kind of watch and see these waves of it being taken away, fighting it back, uh, finding new ways where maybe we can have stronger privacy uh, and trying to find different models, trying to figure a way that we can have these technologies, but we can also respect the individual on the other side. And, uh, and they're problems that have to be looked at. They're, they're something we, we can't run away from it. So, you know, let's roll up our sleeves and say, how do we make this work? Uh, yeah. And that's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that's all. It's, it's, that's all. Yeah. it's such a it's, it's such a frustrating point too because I mean like I'm very private when all that stuff and it's it's it, it's increasingly frustrating whenever things come out all the time saying that you know our stuff is leaking, your stuff is this and our stuff is that. But like you said, it's also encouraging now because like you said, Apple and and uh, you know California, Maine, like they're all coming out with individual stuff, and it seems like. I think is there something brewing in Canada? There is. Uh, there's been a new digital charter that's kind of, kind of been put forward. Uh, I know to kind of update our privacy, current privacy legislation. Uh, how what will happen to it is under debate right now. The kind of the charter is under debate, um, and partly, of course, the question says, well, you know, hey, there is an election. 
coming up, so we'll just continue past it. Um, but again, that we, we have technologies now that we never, privacy-wise, we never thought we ever had to deal with. Uh, you know, facial recognition being a huge one, of course. We, we always saw that. Uh, I'm a big science fiction fan. We always saw that kind of thing in movies and, oh, you know, that's Star Trek. That's, you know, that's going to happen years and years and years from now. And now we're seeing this technology. It's here and it's in our face. And we're looking at the existing laws. We're looking at the existing uh, policies and saying, you know what? We need something stronger here because this might not be enough. Uh, you know, these uh, these policies, these regulations, they're only as strong as they're enforced, uh, and they need to be able to deal with these these new technologies. Uh, but the flip side, and I'm sure your audience get this, uh, gets this quite uh, readily, is, of course, talking even to small businesses about security. Everybody will say it's very important uh, getting people on board and getting them early uh, to invest in it is still a little bit of a challenge. You can still, and I get a small business, you kind of, you have to look at different variables. Uh, but of course, it's a lot cheaper to uh, to invest early in safeguards to prevent a breach uh, than it is to have a breach. And privacy is the same, same kind of situation. It's a lot better to kind of implement these things early than to turn around and suddenly it's like, oh, you know, we've had a huge data breach. We are going to be in the newspapers uh, for a very bad reason. Uh, if you are a private company and you're uh, offering competitive products, you're going to lose customers, um, especially if your product is uh, something they can get elsewhere. There's very strong connections between privacy and trust. Um, so it's, like I say, it's just trying to get that awareness of, you know what, let's start. Start talking to your staff. Start training your staff. Do you have a policy? No, let's get one. Uh, you know, what controls do you have in place? Mm-hmm. But because uh, it's not going away. It's uh, it's like cybersecurity. Uh, it's it's like certain things like ransomware where I wish I could just click my fingers and say that was a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not. It's if we're going to use these computers, if we're going to use this uh, information so effectively, we're going to have to deal with these new challenges. And, and again, too, you still like the old challenges, like you know things like SQL injection still exists. Oh, <laughs> that's like hey. Speaking speaking of science fiction, it was actually in one of the episodes of Star Trek Discovery not too long ago. <laughs> they well, that's uh, you know. So it's like wow, it's lasted that long. Wow, we still mm-hmm. haven't gotten rid of it. But yeah. Well, and that kills uh, again the librarian background. To, Ye old records uh, managers, yeah. uh, the individuals who uh, who once upon a time before computers, you fought, you had a physical files. A lot of them, uh, I talk to them and they say, yeah, a lot of these problems uh, that keep cropping up, we we've seen those. We 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 had those even before the computers. They were still an issue then. Yeah, uh, you know, people didn't file things right. Uh, yeah. People uh, snooped into records. They went and told their friends things they shouldn't like. It's not necessarily a new problem. It's just maybe we, we kind of say that, oh, with the technology's here. It's fixed. It's like, no, back up. We still have to take care of this. Yeah. Yeah, there's always another uh, vulnerability lurking that you're unaware of or that's been around for a long time. And uh, it's just been underneath the surface. I run to that all the time. As, as you know, too, I deal with small businesses as well. So <laughs> it's everywhere. Well, the, the worst is when it happens to somebody you know, or especially if, I, if it happens to like a small business um, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I get quite uh, I get quite a rate when it happens to coffee shops. 
Uh, you know, they do a very important service here in Halifax. They keep me, uh, they allow me to keep going some days. So when yeah. I hear, uh, I hear about those hacks, I hear about, uh, you know, their social media accounts being hijacked and stuff. I get like, why do you do that? Do you not realize who you're hurting here? <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like, yeah. And actually, speaking of like kind of uh, challenges, uh, especially in regards for small business. So, what are the challenges that you uh, do find, if any, of working in your field in Atlantic Canada? Uh, part, uh, partly one thing I find is trying to, and I, I kind of hinted at this earlier, getting an earlier adoption. Uh, you have, uh, certainly in the startup community, you, you have a lot of people who say, you know what, I'll worry about privacy later. I'll look at, I'll, I'll get a lawyer. You know, when, when our product is nearly complete, I'll get a lawyer and they'll look at that. And to be very clear, the privacy lawyers, especially the ones I know, they are amazing people. They, you know, they have uh, unbelievably good uh, when it comes to looking at the legislation, saying you got this, you don't got this. Uh, certainly, privacy does require a lot of contract clauses. Mm -hmm. But what they often find, uh, and this is really highlighted with the European privacy law, is we'll see situations where it's like, ah, you now have to kind of rebuild you have a situation where, for example, you, you haven't allowed the users to access their own information. Access to information is actually a very critical part of majority of privacy laws. I have the right to know what information you have on me. I have a right to request a copy. Uh, you get to laws, we, now we don't have this from Canada, but they do have it in Europe, that right to erasure, uh, that right to uh, data portability is a huge one, the idea of, hey, insurance company A, I don't like you anymore. I want to go with insurance company B. You can't lock me with your services by saying, well, I've got all your information. There's nothing you can do. The law now says I can come to you. I should be able to get all my information and transfer it over. And these are the kind of things that when you get into the, again, they hit into the, the software, the programming. Uh, so very you know, painful experience to find out, oh, hey, we've got to make some major redesigns on our product because it can't go forward if we don't uh, if we don't comply with the law. Uh, it's uh, I guess the best analogy I would give is uh, driving without a license. Uh, you have people uh, who say, oh well, you know, the, the GDPR is pretty toothless. You know, we're not getting a lot of fines, but they are coming. Uh, so it's the kind of thing where it's like you might not get hit, you might be perfectly fine, but you do have to realize there are people paying attention, uh, and if you get hit, you can be penalized. Uh, I think the most recent fine I heard was about 280,000 euros uh, for an app that was caught kind of recording. Uh, it was recording on competitors or something. It was an interesting story, but a soccer kind of app. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so they they do take that seriously when yeah. uh, when it when it happens. It's uh, it's not good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but actually, it's kind of interesting to mention GDPR. Um, not to, you know, to mention any names, sir, but do you work with many organizations in Atlantic Canada that have to deal with GDPR? I've had the conversation uh, with a few. Mm -hmm. um, I have had, uh, I know one of my Atlantic Security uh, Convention talks actually was on the GDPR. I presented some of that training to some smaller businesses, okay. uh, trying to get an idea of, if you're going to Europe, here's what you need. Okay. Um, particularly, I find... Uh, You'll have situations, of course, we're all getting familiar with those annoying little pop-ups now that say accept cookies, which I promise you was not the intent of the law. That was not how it was supposed to <laughs> kind of go out. Uh, 
but you have people saying, well, do I need that? Because, you know, under this legislation, if a European person comes to my website, um, they have to consent to that tracking. So trying to get people aware of, okay, can they opt out of it? Uh, Or more critically, uh, is it possible for them to browse your website without any tracking cookies unless they accept them? Uh, so you have little situations, uh, little situations like that that have kind of kind of helped where I can. Okay. Yeah. So does actually like you know you have you're basically you have consulting practice. So are you like just the consulting practice? Are you actually kept busy just from working in Atlantic Canada? Or do you do a lot of like say remote work for companies outside Atlantic Canada, or do you mainly focused in Atlantic Canada? I would say I do a bit of mix. Um, yeah. I have. You uh, certainly st- growing my business. Uh, I started out originally in Atlantic Canada. I have increasingly uh, partnered or subcontracted with some larger firms uh, from Toronto and from out west mm-hmm. uh, because the remote work is there. Uh, they have they have the clients. I have the skill sets. And to be honest, I love it when I get to work with other privacy professionals. I really love yeah. it when I get to work with people who can say I've been a lawyer for you know twenty years. Because for me, getting into the industry, you you always want somebody to kind of um, you know talk to who, who's seen it before. Uh, really great when you're talking to somebody or you're doing an impact assessment, and they say yes, exactly, you're right on. You have that moment of okay, good, I'm doing okay here. <laughs> um, and also, the more established practices, they can handle the bigger jobs. Uh, one of the uh, the issues I've come across in Atlantic Canada is I've had clients where I've actually referred them to larger businesses because I want to help them and I've given them my name. But when you've got a huge organization that wants a privacy impact assessment, for example, uh, it can be a lot more a lot better for them to go through a firm where you've got a team of say you know uh, three or four people uh, mm-hmm. than than just myself. I find it's uh, I want I want my my clients uh, and my potential clients to be happy because at the end of the day I want to see more devices and more programs that are respecting privacy. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like I do what I do and then I get to point to products and say, hey, this product has really good privacy or they have good practices, so I'm going to recommend them to others. It's a little win-win there. So with all that going on, how do you keep your skills current? Uh, a few ways. Uh, so I did mention before uh, the International Association of Privacy Practitioners. I was uh, first time in the Toronto conference this year, and I was blown away. I took so many notes, was able to meet to uh, meet a lot of people, had some really great keynotes. Um, there are local uh, local meetings in InfoSec uh, and IT here in Nova Scotia. AltSecCon, uh, Con we mentioned, uh, and Asaka again in the fall, uh, because. You get into privacy and you quickly realize you need to know security. <laughs> if you have no security, you do not have good privacy. Uh, beyond that, I'm I'm a reader. I uh, I go. I'm very active online and Twitter, just kind of keeping an eye on the news. Uh, I follow a lot of privacy practitioners who have kind of showed me some really good tools over the past years. I also, librarian background, I take full advantage of the fact that, hey, we've got St. Mary's, we've got Dalhousie, NSCC here, um, and uh, if you have a public borrower's card from the Halifax Library, you can sign up to Novanet. You can uh, you can read university texts at times. So uh, constantly trying to uh, trying to keep up to date. Um, I, I, I don't like it when uh, I have situations where somebody comes to me and says, hey, have you ever heard about that? 
I don't like to be caught deer in the headlights. I at least like to have an idea. And even if my idea is, yes, I've heard about it, and I'm going to go find out more information about that for you, that's still better. So is there – I don't mean to sound ignorant either here because this is not really my forte at all, right? Like privacy and doing this stuff. Like red team and pen testing. Like I have a certification path that I can study and get certified and yay. Is there a similar path in privacy? There is. Um, so I, IAPP, the International Association, does have certification programs. Um, they have certification for privacy in Canada, um, privacy in Europe, privacy, um, health privacy, I believe, uh, or it might be privacy in the States. Um, I have my, my certification, uh, again, Certified Information Privacy Technologist, so... You study hard, you write that exam, uh, and then in order, of course, to keep your certification, you have to present so many credits, so many uh, talks, blogs, uh, activities that you can kind of present forward and say, hey, I'm keeping up my studies, uh, I keep going. Uh, there isn't, uh, I'm just thinking, there. I haven't seen any kind of red team, blue team activities with privacy yet. I would say uh, the... Uh, at the conference, there was kind of a, a lovely little game show kind of uh, activity going on with some of the different privacy commissioners across the provinces. Um, so that was kind of uh, kind of interesting, getting uh, talking about some of the practices uh, and some of the some of the wish lists. Uh, but it, it would be interesting. Uh, would there be uh, a purple or a yellow team that says, "Okay, not only have we we attacked and we've defended." Um, but of course, what really you get into a very uh, separation between privacy and security is security saying, okay, you know, is somebody going to try to get in on the outside? Is somebody going to do something? So you can have a security incident, um, Google being down, uh, down for example, where it's got nothing to do uh, with privacy. I don't know if any of your uh, listeners remember when Nest, uh, Google Nest, was down for a few days or no, thank a few hours, thankfully. People uh, online saying, well, I can't get into my house, my, you know, my Google Home, my whatever, uh, which was huge because Google almost never goes down. There was no stolen yeah. data. There was no privacy breach. It was just you couldn't, use the, uh, you couldn't use the actions. With privacy, you have situations such as an employee snooping. Uh, you have suddenly uh, situations where it's like, well, this data was being misused inside the company. There was something going on here, even if the company themselves was using their information in a way that the individuals had no clue. Uh, we have a university doing, for example, uh, you know, facial, originally doing facial scannings and scanning social media, uh, creating kind of that database and then turning it around and making it a facial recognition database. So you have situations where people are saying, wait a minute. You know, you, you had never informed me my information was ever going to be used for that purpose. What's going on here? So it, it is a difference. It's uh, one's kind of saying, okay, uh, I'm going to get in there and do some damage. And the other one is kind of, all right, um, I'm already in. What can I do here? Uh, you know, what, uh, what can I see? Can I see something I shouldn't? Uh, can I use this information in uh, a malicious way? Yeah, uh, way? So privacy is about, hey, you know, let's let's see if we can stop that. Uh, you'll see a lot of people get into ethics and information, uh, again, how it's being used, where you could say, well, the security is fine, but you're still using that information in a way that really harms the individual. We've got a privacy problem here. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so do you have any advice to anyone who wants to break into the field? I do recommend uh, the IAPV organization, uh, not only for the certification, but because they have so many good resources. Uh, mm-hmm. One thinks they have webinars, they have recommended textbooks. Um, I also do also recommend, again, connecting on social media. Uh, Twitter, uh, Anna Kovakin is the former Privacy Commissioner of Canada and the uh, kind of the original uh, brainchild between Privacy by Design. She's very active, uh, active uh, on Twitter in terms of links and programs and what's going on. Uh, especially some of my colleagues in Europe are very uh, kind of paying attention to, hey, this is going on or this is a new tool we've seen. Really good way to kind of keep uh, keep up to date. Uh, be beyond that, if you're in security, keep going with that. Uh, there's again, you've got kind of an industry with privacy where it's it's not one thing or the other. It's trying to combine law, you know, data governance, security, information. Uh, if your your skill set is oh well, I'm very good at uh, talking to users. I'm very good at developing uh, materials users can read. You know, there's going to be something for you in privacy because we need all of that. Uh, we need, uh, you know, honestly, we need more hands on board who are passionate about this and getting other people passionate and starting talking about it so that hopefully we'll start to say, see more products and more organizations that are taking privacy very seriously. Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot, Victoria. This has been a very informative session this time episode this has been uh, fantastic no problem yeah, no, and, yeah no. Um, okay i love talking privacy i get to <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know it's uh it's I, I have people saying you know you have for a cup of coffee sometime I'm like yes let's talk let's yeah. do this um, uh, you can you can tell you're passionate about it which is great right yeah. Well, I suspect uh, again, we, considering some of the uh, the walls of uh, of you see privacy being degraded, you kind of need that passion to keep going forward. Uh, you, you know, it's uh, I I am facing a world with uh, facial recognition scanners, uh, fingerprinting, uh, you know, some some horror stories out of that. So it's like, yeah, this is important to me. So I'm going to keep going. Well, definitely keep you busy. busy is good (laughs) yeah exactly busy is very good all right folks so i think that's it for episode 11 grant yeah it's good well is there anything anything what's coming up isaka i see that they got some stuff out yeah so that's happening again this year and yeah no october i think so that's the usual it's usually october early november yeah. yeah. Uh, B-Side St. John's, their CFP is out. Yeah. Uh, there's B-Side's um, Fredericton, is, I think, again yeah. in November. Yeah. I've um, seen them accepting a sponsor, so I'm assuming they're ramping up. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, there's really not much else that I'm aware of, not right now, but of course, if we do find out something, we'll uh, definitely either uh, tweet it or we'll... Uh, get out yep. other means um, alright so I think that's it for episode 11 so uh, you can obviously follow us on twitter at ecoastinfosec and uh, you can email us at ecoastinfosec at gmail.com or you can go to our website at uh, eastcoastinfosec.ca 
And uh, thanks again, Victoria. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye.